Hello everybody. This is a standalone sermon based on 1 Corinthians 15. And we're looking at questions to do with the resurrection. Just before Easter 2017, a survey was done by Comrades to find out what the British public thought about the resurrection of Jesus. The results were fairly startling. Only 17% of people believe that Jesus actually rose again, as recorded in the Bible. Even amongst those who would declare themselves active Christians, only 57% of them believe the resurrection is literally true, as opposed to a metaphorical story. And in terms of life after death, only 46% of the general population believe there is any, and a third of them believe it is a form of reincarnation. In case then we were in any doubt, this survey makes clear a challenging reality. We are now very much in the minority in this country. But that does not mean we should give up. Rather, it means we need to get to know our Bibles better. We need to know why we believe what we do. Then our faith will be able to stand the challenges of modern life. And we'll be able to go on giving the reason for our hope when opportunities come to share it. Unashamedly, I believe the resurrection of Jesus to be the most important event in the history of the world. I also believe it to be the event that guarantees the future, no matter how many others disagree. It therefore has consequences for every human being who has, is or will ever live. This evening we're going to tackle the most important questions about the resurrection, what it's all about and what it means for us. And by using 1 Corinthians 15 as a guide, I hope that none of us will be able to leave here without understanding exactly the implications it has on life, death and eternity. And if there is anybody here this evening who has not yet put their faith in Jesus, I pray that you will hear what you need to from God to make a life-changing decision. Okay, let's begin. Question number one. Did Jesus really and physically rise from the dead? Well, the answer to that question unequivocally is yes. Yes, he did. Now, bearing in mind that even the most atheistic historian believes that a man called Jesus lived on earth, was crucified and buried in a tomb, you basically have two options as to what happened with his body. It was either stolen or it rose again in some form. And when we apply some logic, we can almost certainly scrub out the first option. Let's think about it. At the time of Jesus' burial, there were basically three groups of people. The Romans, the Jews, and Jesus' disciples. If the Romans had stolen the body, they would have produced it quickly to shut the Christians up. And also, Christianity would never have gone on to become the religion of the Roman Empire if they had the body stashed away somewhere. If the 
Jews had stolen the body, they also would have produced it quickly to stop the Christian sect that was threatening their religion. Thirdly, if the disciples had stolen it, they would never have believed and set up the church, which is still here 2,000 years later. And bear in mind also that for either the Jews or the disciples to have stolen the body, they would have had to have broken past an armed Roman guard first. So I think most of us can discount that option. So Jesus somehow rose from the dead. But was it a physical body? A real resurrection? Or did he become some sort of ghost? Well, this is where 1 Corinthians 15 begins. To the Apostle Paul, who wrote this only 25 years after the first Easter Sunday, it was gospel truth that Jesus really had been raised. And in verses 1 to 11 of our chapter, he has two lines of evidence to support it. First, he has the testimony of the scriptures, which is now our Old Testament. Resurrection was what was prophesied centuries ago in Jewish writings like Psalm 16 and Isaiah 53. To Jews, only a physical resurrection would be seen as fulfilment to those verses. But second, and perhaps much stronger to us today who are used to watching detective programmes on the telly, Paul had the testimony of eyewitnesses. Here he records six different appearances of the risen Christ in bodily form. He appeared to Peter, the twelve, five hundred believers gathered together, James, the apostles, and to him. Now that's a lot of people. A lot of people who would need to be deluded if he was just a ghost. Now I know that whatever is said this evening will require some faith to believe it. But if you are still in serious doubt, ask yourself this question. In verse 30 of this chapter, Paul says, Why do we endanger ourselves every hour, die every day, go through with fighting wild beasts, if the dead are not raised? What Paul is referring to there is the severe persecution he received for being a believer in Jesus. Now, why would he personally go through with all of that if he had not received strong evidence that what he believed was true? When Jesus first died, the disciples were terrified. They hid away. They went back to their day jobs. They thought Jesus was a failure and that they would be killed next. Paul himself was one of those people trying to kill people like them. What else could have moved the disciples from this state of despair and unbelief to the point of being willing to lay down their lives for the sake of their God? I certainly would not lay my life down for anything that I was not absolutely 100% convinced about. So I and many others believe that the only thing that could have brought about this great change was real physical evidence that Jesus had risen again. And of course, in the Gospels, we read of doubting Thomas getting the chance to touch Jesus and others watching him eat. Only evidence that strong could have led Paul to go from persecutor to persecuted 
and writer of this great work. So there is real rational evidence that Jesus really did rise again in a physical way. There were eyewitnesses and they began the church. Christianity then is not just a set of ideas or a path of spirituality or a rule of life with a political agenda. It is good news based on a real historical event that took place in our very real world. An event, as we shall see, that means our world will never be the same again. Question two. Does it really matter if Jesus rose from the dead or not? Well, let me tell you that even an unbeliever would say that yes, it very much does. In our pluralistic age, people try to dumb down the resurrection. One person once said to Tom Wright, the then Bishop of Durham, we can't say the resurrection happened because that would make Christianity different from all other faiths. That person wanted to remain inclusive. In talking about the resurrection, they wanted to say it was just the way God's commands and teaching carried on after Jesus' death. And that person had grasped the reality that claiming a resurrection is exclusive. And so it really does matter. Look at what Paul says here in verses 14 to 15. If Christ was not raised from the dead, then his preaching was useless and he himself was a liar. So in verse 17, if Christ was not raised, the faith of those like me who believe is useless as well. If Christ did not rise, I quote, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Now, what does he mean by that? Still in your sins. Well, think about it. At his trial, Jesus was found guilty of being a pretender, a fraud, a blasphemer. They nailed that exact charge above his head on the cross. The plaque read, Jesus, King of the Jews. It was a scoffing insult. Don't you see, if Jesus had stayed dead, that would have been exactly who he was. A fraud, a pretender, maybe even a deluded madman whose insanity led him to a ghastly end. If Jesus had stayed dead, he was not King of the Jews. He was not the Son of God. And therefore, the cross would have been the terrible execution of an ordinary human being. It would have amounted to nothing. Sin not dealt with, you and I not forgiven for our mistakes, the world still as it is, broken. It matters absolutely that Jesus rose from the dead, because it shows his trial got it wrong. He wasn't pretending. He really was what he said he was. He really was God. He really was the only way to the Father. And in raising him to life, God reversed the trial's verdict. And as a result, sin really is dealt with. Death no longer holds sway and a new world really has begun. That is why Good Friday is good, by the way. It really does matter that Jesus physically rose back to life. In verse 18, Paul says, If Jesus did not rise, then all those that have died are lost forever. Our friends and family gone forevermore. In verse 19, he goes further. If Jesus didn't rise, then we that are left should be pitied most of all for our miserable existence heading for nothingness. Yes, it really matters that Jesus rose again. 
Christianity cannot be reduced to a form of spirituality amongst all the other Reiki crystals and astrology that forms the shelves of the spiritual marketplace in our pluralistic world. Christianity is unique, and it's because of the resurrection. Yes, it really matters that Christ rose. It changes the world into a way that it will never be the same again. And it changes those who believe so that they will never be the same either. Question number three. If Jesus was raised, will we also be raised? Well, that is exactly what this passage is about. The answer is yes. And that is why it matters that Jesus really rose again. Let me read you three verses from the passage again, verses 20 to 23. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in turn. Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. The great enemy in all of life is death. Anybody who says that death doesn't really matter is talking hurtful nonsense. They clearly have never been to a funeral like the many I have. Death is the great enemy of humankind and it hurts. And Jesus came with one purpose, to defeat it. To end death forever as it was never God's intention for us. Death came into the world when humanity started doing wrong. The first sin of Adam is mentioned here. It is the sin of us all. We have all chosen at times to go against God and what our conscience says is right. Jesus therefore came as the new Adam to make new life, to start again, so that we might live. And that new start required two things, forgiveness for the past and a way through death itself. The forgiveness came at the cross on Friday. The victory through death comes on Easter Sunday at the empty tomb. So yes, Jesus had made a way for us to rise again. And in the Bible, the pattern is laid out like this. Jesus died, taking all our sin with him, dying our death, nailing all the transgression to the cross. He then rose again. The first fruits from those who have died, the pioneer of a new way through death. And all of his followers now wait their turn to make the same journey. The passage promises that once Christ completes all the tasks of his reign, once the very last one of us on earth who will believe comes to faith, Jesus will come back to earth, his second coming. And when he comes, he'll bring with him all those who have died and believed in him. At this very moment, they belong to him. They're in paradise, heaven, And when Jesus comes back, they will be raised to life in new bodies to walk again on God's restored creation. The passage says that then Christ's purpose will have been fulfilled. His kingdom will have come and he will hand all of creation over to his father. Death will have been defeated and gone. There'll be no sting or pain anymore. Creation and humanity will have been resurrected, never to die again. And just in case you are wondering, well, what happens to those who are still alive on earth when Christ returns? Well, the passage answers that as well. They will not instantly die to be resurrected again. No, instead, at the blast of the trumpet and in the twinkling of an eye, they will be changed, says verse 52. Their bodies will be changed 
from their earthly perishing body into their new resurrection body, which will last for eternity in God's restored creation. The truth of the Bible is this, because Jesus died, I too have died to my sins. I have been forgiven. Because he rose again, I too will rise again on death to be with my God forever. Question four. What will our new resurrection bodies be like? Well, in this passage, in verses 35 to 49, Paul very powerfully compares a natural body to a spiritual body. A natural body is what we have now. It is perishable, weak, and at times ugly. It is susceptible to illness. The hair falls out, and it can know great pain. Dementia, cancer, heart disease all eventually take their toll. As verse 50 states, it's a body that's just not fit for eternity. But the body we'll get after death is a spiritual body. It will be imperishable, pulsating with life, glorious and powerful. It will never know weakness or illness again. A body full of brim to the life with God's life giving spirit. And in verse 49, we are told it will be exactly the same as Jesus' resurrection body. So we know it will be physical, touchable, able to journey, able to eat good food and yet capable of great things. How does this change come about, you may ask? Well, they asked that in Paul's day. Well, Paul describes it like the planting of a seed. You plant the seed in the ground. It's small, grey, insignificant looking. You bury it. It dies. But then incredibly, a beautiful, majestic plant full of splendour rises from the ground, a work of God's creation. Well, that is what it's like, says Paul. And this seed illustration is really helpful to us because any good gardener here this evening can recognise what flower comes from any particular seed. If I show you a sunflower seed, you would know that a sunflower will grow. There is a continuity there. If you plant a sunflower seed, you don't get a geranium. Well, so too with our spiritual bodies. They will be recognisable from our physical ones. Jesus was recognised after his resurrection by his loved ones, and so will we. So what a great promise and hope this is. In eternity, we will get a body just like Christ, a great body, fit and well, that will never know crying or pain ever again. A body from which we'll be able to recognise loved ones, and most importantly, our God. The resurrection brings us a truly breathtaking future. Question number five. What should we do in response to Jesus' resurrection today? Well, that, of course, is the final question. We've heard the good news, and now we think on how we're to act in response. And to answer that, we need to look at the first verse and the last verse of the chapter. Verses 1 and 2 say this. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. To Paul, undoubtedly, the death and resurrection of Jesus is the gospel by which we are saved. So if you're here today and you do not believe this, either because you're refusing to or because you've not thought about it for a while, then you need to. Jesus' resurrection is the only, the exclusive way to defeat death. This is the only truth to make your stand upon. 
As we've seen, this is not a fairy tale. There is rational evidence, and with faith, if you believe in this, it will change your life. When you know where you're going after death, you have a peace and a hope for every day of your life. And if you're here today and you already believe this, then you need to hold on firmly to it. Otherwise, as Paul says, you have believed in vain. Let go of this and there is nothing else that saves. This Easter season, let us recommit our lives to Christ, our crucified and resurrected Saviour. And then we look at the final verse, verse 58, which says this. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Today we've heard great news, the greatest news of the greatest hope. As followers of Christ, we have remembered it again. We must allow it to inspire us to tell others. We must get on, all of us, and do the work of the Lord, sharing the message of his great love for us with our community. We all now have a response to make to the wonderful truth of Christ's resurrection.